0: And that mission is to ensure that people have access to healing services. That mission is to change the narrative about pain
1: Hmm.
0: and help people understand that pain is a part of the human condition and that it is not, no one should be here to fix it. We should be here to hold and bear witness and to reestablish community in a way that's completely devoid in our culture.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Healing and Dealing Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Thank you again for joining us today on the Healing and Dealing podcast. Today, I have something a little different, a little different story that I'm so excited to share with all of you. I have Aspen here. She grew up in the middle of nowhere in the mountains, mostly by herself, the trees, the fairies Am I saying that word right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> furies and her yellow Labrador retriever, Snowshoe. In her sacred forest, she was deeply connected to nature, its magic, and to spirit. She joined the Navy when she was 17 as an enlisted sailor, commissioned from the United States Naval Academy in 2019 as a naval aviator with a BS in operations research, which she describes as applied math for humans. Love it. In 2022, she was medically evacuated from the Middle East to San Diego, where she began her radical healing journey. The spiritual wellness community welcomed her with open arms as she reawakened her spirituality and Celtic Druid roots. Having her mala always with her allowed her to move through the pain and the darkness by keeping her grounded with a physical tool knowing the essence of the anatomy of the mala and the healing powers of the crystals. As she regained her strength, she was inspired to share her tools and magic with the world Leading her to create Aspen Aurora. Manifest your aura merging her math and her mystic passions together. As an academic, a warrior, a world traveler, an intuitive, Aspen can help you choose the light by helping you see your own. How beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Such a story so much that you have some such a different perspective that you're going to bring to myself and my audience today first i mean just your background alone is so different you know being in the navy and all that you endured with that i can't wait for you to dive into that story but i just want the listeners to get to know you a little better without you know me reading your your bio so let's get to know aspen and like what really what were some major things that you went through that brought you to where you're at today yeah, that's a loaded question for it sure. It is. I know. Um, Wherever you want to start.
0: Yeah. In an interview, typically I answer that question with a brief kind of life story. And that life story, yeah. in a lot of ways, <clears> starts <throat> when I enlisted at 17 and I was a Navy cryptologist. My first job was at the NSA and I loved it and I was mm-hmm. good at it. And that's what got me to <clears throat> the Naval Academy and the <clears throat> was very hard and very gritty, yeah. but I would not have treated that experience for the world and then, after I commissioned, I experienced two capital T trauma events, and one of them was a mass shooting and international terrorist attack in oh. Pensacola, Florida, where my sole brother was murdered
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Every four months after that, somebody I loved died. And it just didn't really end. I was a uniform v- victim advocate in the service. So I'm well aware what trauma brain is and mm-hmm. what it does on a physiological level. And so I got, you know, help early and often or at least attempted to and I did, I was still performing well. And mm-hmm. so I clearly wasn't that sick, at least from their perspective. And so I got selected to be a department head for a task force out in the Middle East. And I was like, you want me to (laughs) what? You're nuts. Yeah. But off I go. And if I think a, a few months, a year, not long into that experience, my body just started shutting down. And my symptoms got very severe and then i was medically evacuated which sounds like what you know i yeah exactly i think a lot of people under, at least i thought that it was going to be like a a quick way to get to where you need to be that's mm-hmm. like what the word evacuation leads me to believe and that was not what happened it was atrocious conditions in so many countries and multiple c17s and I was in that process for well over two weeks, and it was just a total nightmare. I finally get down to San Diego, wheels down in San Diego, like literally kissing the ground because it was just Mm -hmm. such a nightmare. My husband's not allowed in the room with me. They tell me it's going to be six to eight weeks for an intake appointment, and I was like, what? Wait, where do they have you at? They, I mean, I wasn't inpatient, so they sent me home. Mm. I was so defeated at that point and so just thankful that part of that experience was over. Like now, like I had some sense of like relief, even though I had, you know, the nightmare was only going to continue, but in that moment I had some, some level of relief. And so I didn't even challenge it. I just Eeyore like, okay. And just Mm -hmm. like proceeded through, which as I mean, I know you don't know me well, but that's very unlike me. (laughs) I'm not an Eeyore character for sure. And so that started the the medical fight in the Navy and with Western medicine, and that's its own beast. But the highlight of the story is that I had the time and the resources to really pour into myself from a spiritual wellness, energetic healing perspective. I found a lot of light community, was able to transmute some of this density right. and I'm really grateful for that. And that's what led me to, you know, start Aspen Aurora to to give back some of my own tools. It allowed me space to think about what this means, not just for myself, but for my soul family, which is continuing to die. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not a thing that has ended. And now I'm getting out of the Navy. I signed my findings yesterday, <laughs> actually. Really? Um, so um. it's happening. So that's a lot of it about me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's so much to unpack. I'd like to go back to like your first big trauma that you had while you were in the Navy. I mean, you went through something extremely traumatizing. And then they eventually had you, they kind of like looked
0: over it, would you say? Or do you want to dive into that story a little bit more? The first capital T trauma that I experienced right after the Navy was... You yeah, know, I was held at gunpoint in my own house with somebody that I knew at that time. You know, I was 25, but I was also an academy grad and I was also a naval aviator. And so I think back at this time, and I'm still very much unpacking this. I'm trying to, like, distinguish between what was my responsibility to know better versus I was a 25-year-old kid. God. <laughs> like, Yeah. yeah. And... When you're in a high level, high performance environment, the expectations are higher. And so I, I I constantly dance with like how to think about that time. And from a Navy perspective, I I use military one source, which is like a way to like get help pretty fast without it going on your on your record. And so the Military One Source program writ large is a great program. Mm-hmm. However, when I saw what I thought was going to be a trauma counselor, they victim blamed, and they said that I should have known better, and I should have seen it coming, and these Give me some more context, and like what,
1: like even in your own thoughts when you've said, should I have known better, and now this person's telling you that, like what's the context like of the event so we can just get a better idea. Sure.
0: So this person, well, the specifics are a little a little gritty, and I'm not sure if, if unpacking it would be the best use, but the context is this person was an addict and okay. he was an alcoholic. And so that leads you to expect a certain behavior out of people. Gotcha. It's important to understand that I did not choose <clears throat> to live with this person. It was how the cards fell after I, after I graduated, there's a lot more to <laughs> a story that involves um, yeah, I was just curious a lot of betrayal and why you
1: would even think that you could have handled it differently <clears throat> or should have known better, you know, like I just wanted to Well, because clear. I
0: have a lot of trauma in my life and because I'm an intelligence professional, generally. So, right. you know, I was able to talk that person down and to like not kill me using my quality hostage negotiation wow. skills. And where did I learn that? I learned that at a pretty young age. And then I further learned that through my career as an intelligence professional. And that was like a resounding feedback, like to think that I could have handled a situation yeah. like that in the circumstances and so forth is like so beyond the pale and like very problematic. Like that right. is problematic in itself. Yes. And I think in the Navy, we always say like, oh, you you revert back to your training, but you also revert back to your life training. It's not all in a simulated, you know, yeah, training environment. Like you have life training too. And my life training led me to believe that I can get myself, mm. not out of, but like, I can save myself regardless of the circumstances, yeah. And that experience just taught me that. I mean, I can, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. And you know, just because I did have a traumatic upbringing does not mean I have to invite that in. And it, of course, like you know, wasn't my fault. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm in CPT, PTSD, trauma therapy as we speak. So I'm unpacking that Mm -hmm. as we speak. What types of things are you learning through that?
1: uh, Through CPT? Yeah. Or even just the therapy you're in right now, like has there been any big moments or realizations you've had?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're relatively new in the process because getting help through Western Medicine is a, is a nightmare and it takes forever. So, yeah. I'm, and a, a lot of people who pronounce to be trauma therapists are not trained in the classic modalities to treat trauma. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And exactly. it's unsafe. It's not just like a pet, I say pet peeve because it frustrates me greatly, but it's so much more than that. It's a safety thing. And I, I can't totally tell you how many agree. hours I spent on the phone asking people okay but what do you use to treat trauma and then the the common response is well it depends on the trauma. that's not what I asked what modalities do you use to treat trauma and I'm expecting like a list of a few things prolonged exposure therapy EMDR CPT those are the main 3, but there are others. And if you can yeah. name one of them, I'm satisfied. It's not right? like I'm I'm trying to like test you or like yeah, challenge it... you. I just need to know that you know the modalities to treat trauma. Totally. And if you don't, then we're we're not a good fit. And people got very angry with me. Providers got very angry wow. with me and it was like I'm living in the twilight zone. This is crazy that's so, so good I made those
1: calls first though like i just went through a similar situation where i was looking just online and i was specifically looking for those modalities that you're talking about to deal with the trauma from my childhood and i found one they were all listed but then what you know four or five sessions in i'm like when are we going to start the trauma work when are we going to start the healing work and instead it was more just what are you dealing with just therapy How? yeah exactly and it's like i got nothing nothing from you know, five sessions with her. So I totally agree. And and I love the idea that you took the time to call and advocate for yourself and not waste five sessions with someone that wasn't going to work out. So
0: well and when you're dealing with PTSD, it is unsafe to do that. Yeah. It is totally. not just a waste of time, energy, money, all the things. It is unsafe. Right. And so one of the main themes that you realize not realize it's in the textbook. There are five main themes to trauma work. Safety, power control, Mm -hmm. intimacy, esteem, and then there's a fifth one. Trust, that's the fifth one. When those things have been violated by a trauma, especially a capital T trauma, when you enter into a new relationship, a new agreement, with that on the table, and then you're met with anything but healing, mm-hmm. you're effectively re-traumatizing somebody and baking yeah. in and reinforcing already believed thoughts, feelings, behaviors because mm-hmm. it keeps being repeated to you. So again, this is not about wasting time. This is mm-hmm. very much an like it is unsafe. Right. And it's something I'm very, very passionate about. It's also like when you're talking about somebody who has PTSD and they are trying to get help and they know all these things, they are oftentimes still in that trauma state. So you're requiring them to do all of this vetting and to engage in hard conversations when they themselves are unwell. Mm -hmm. And it's just blasphemy to my mind. So at providers, please stop saying that you treat trauma when you don't. Right. It's, it's
1: like that word that people just throw around so easily, especially as providers, and they think that they, you know, can. But even as a coach myself, you know, in the practice sessions, I would know when I was getting to that point that I couldn't go any further because it was unsafe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't have the tools yet to, it was, and it was just practice sessions in the coaching program, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that made me really realize, like, I'm not even I'm not going to assist anyone in healing their trauma unless I actually know what I'm doing because it is very unsafe and there should be like that level you get to with your provider and they will know what to do but if they don't then you're you're just stuck in that in that PTSD mode or you know that fight or flight mode your body every, you know everything gets involved so yeah I 100% agree with what you're saying and I know we touched on this when we met last time but you know, the five sessions I had with the provider through my insurance. And now I've, I'm have i like four or five sessions in with a life spiritual coach. And it's like night and day. Like I've had breakthrough after breakthrough and just deep connection. And there's so much trust, like you said, there's, I mean, it's insane. And it's not that expensive. Like it's, I can manage it, but I know not everyone can manage it, which is another thing we're going to talk about is like accessibility and like who can have these services that's outside of Western medicine, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as like the breakthrough after breakthrough, I, I thought a lot about this. And I think that the fundamental difference between taking the spiritual route, and there's a lot of overlap here. So I want to be very yeah. clear that we're mm-hmm. not talking about isolated paths that yeah. don't have overlap, they very much do. Mm-hmm. But if you're comparing. Like Western medicine, traditional therapy to the spiritual route. Again, definitions matter here. There's a lot of overlap. But when you're comparing those two, Western medicine and psychology Mm -hmm. generally has one goal, and that is to fix you. And spirituality wants you to be your highest self, knowing that being a human effing sucks sometimes. (laughs) And there's a lot of pain and trauma Mm -hmm. and grief involved. And there's oftentimes nothing to fix. You just have to deal and heal, which is exactly (laughs) what you're doing with your work, which is why it's so important. I mean, we went the first time some months ago, but it feels like forever ago. Gosh, (laughs) and you told me about like healing and dealing podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> I was so excited that's because so cool. that's ultimately what it's about. It's about healing and dealing. It's not always about fixing. In fact, in my experience, it almost always is not about fixing it.
1: I totally agree. Especially when when you go the spiritual route. Yes, there are a lot of overlaps, like you said, but I feel like with that type of coach, you're almost, you're you get there on your own with our guidance. You know what I mean? Right. Like you find your way back to yourself by just then like in, evoking things from you or like asking the right questions, powerful questions where you're just like reflecting and you're like, oh, and you like start to realize things on your own besides someone telling you like, this is what you should do. This is how you fix it. Like there's just, to me, I've seen it. I felt it myself. There, There is a big difference. And coming back to like, yourself and your wholeness and your highest self, like you said, is is always the priority in my opinion, you know? Whatever that looks like, Definitely. it's gonna look so different for everybody. So kind of switching gears back to your story, I want the listeners to know like what that two weeks was like for you and and what you went through, if you if you want to talk about that a little bit. And I was like, my jaw was dropped when we were talking about it last time. So I feel like it would, you know, there's people out there that have probably gone through a lot of similar things and you are their voice. So if you want to dive into any pieces of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the two weeks medical evacuation was a nightmare. I mean, that's the That's the cliff notes of it. I'm still active duty, so I'm going to be a little bit mindful with how I speak about that experience publicly in this moment. But I will be very loud about it soon. And by loud, I mean like writing to Congress by... You know, having this conversation in a little bit less loose-lipped, but the premise is: it is not about getting you home. It is not about getting you to doctor's hands. It is purely to continue to take your vital signs and make sure you have a pulse and to get you home in a way like, I want to say like the cheapest way possible, but I'm a math person and the numbers don't make sense to me. So I'm not sure if it's to, if the way it's done is to ensure that the mechanism exists, like should there be a war or if it's just to pad you know, Air Force Reserve flight hours. I, I cannot yeah. wrap my head around the why. And I have spent a lot of time trying because it's so horrendous. The whole yeah. experience was so horrendous. And these people are are, are very sick. That's what I was just going to Tra- ask. What type of people? Traumatized, like loss of limb, like wow, all of the things yeah. that you can imagine. And we were treated a lot more like criminals than we were like patients. And wow. at least those criminals had a pulse. That's the only thing that it came down to. I never once talked to a doctor, never once had anybody like check in on me. None of those things happened. It was literally like, "Are you alive?" are and and mine was mine was mental health. but like mine was mental health that was prompted because I spent five days in the hospital in Bahrain with physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I was evacuated under the PTSD umbrella, but I like my internal organs were failing. I was extraordinarily sick. And the only questions were, are you going to kill yourself? And then taking my vitals. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a question, you know, like you're literally strapped to like other things to check your vitals. Mm-hmm. But there's no like conversation there. Wow. It was just a complete nightmare. And it just like and like no one would tell me like when the next flight was and how scary they wouldn't estimate like when we would get to San Diego and they're like yeah you may or may not like get on the flight in and by flight we mean like a C-17 like you're literally strapped in like cargo you are not this is not like a United flight with like like service. (laughs) that's not how that works like you are strapped in like I've seen it literally movies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, like four or five C-17s. Again, multiple countries and multiple states. I've kind of like blurred a little bit of it out just because like I I had a lot to unpack when I got here. And that was it's a part of my story, but it's still like it it happened relatively recently comparative to everything else. So I haven't had the bandwidth to like unpack that and chop it away but the moral story is that it was an effing nightmare and it's criminal and it, it just cannot be the right answer and it again it just doesn't make sense to me I'm a math person and I I want it to make sense and it does not make sense to me and so after you got home
1: that was another nightmare right like dealing with oh yeah trying to get that's crazy that so what did that it look was crazy because like? I remember you told me like there was a time you you were at like a facility or something, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so bear with me. I have I've everything I've told you thus far I've not really told anyone publicly. So bear with me. But I yeah, I mean I lasted, you know, five, six days, I don't know, like sometime less than a week before I was like in just a super, super dark place, like completely defeated, like I said. And I had like passive suicidal ideations, which means that like, you don't want to be alive anymore, but you don't have a plan. Like that's the difference between passive and active. Yeah. And so my Mm -hmm. husband takes me to the ER and at the ER, the social worker says the only way you're going to get into this IOP intensive outpatient program, which is what I was promised in the middle East. The only way you're going to get into that is if you say you're suicidal. And I said, okay, so I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. how long am I going to be here? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And all of that was nonsense, of course. And so they don't have enough beds at the military hospital here in Balboa. So they send me to API. And the API is not veterans with PTSD, it is people who have more active. <laughs> mental health issues and more active symptoms and yeah. a lot of addiction mm. people that I have never really been around in my adult life because I've had the luxury of being in luxury of being in the navy and so I get there and that's a nightmare they mm. you know take your phone they take all of your stuff like you can't i mean it's tragic so total loss of agency there and of course I'm not allowed to see my husband again and he is asking questions like what are you doing there (laughs) like why why can't i see her that doesn't make any sense they're like oh covid he was like okay well it's 2022 like what do you mean covid like why can't i see her and this was so recent yeah and oh my gosh i didn't know that yeah this is like less than a year ago and i guess a little bit more than a year ago now because it's october and it's important to say, actually, I'm going to pause here because I want to really hype my husband. <laughs> so before we went to the ER, my husband's on the phone like with the Navy to this day. I don't really know who he was talking to. And he was like, this is an emergency. You told her it's going to be six to eight weeks for an appointment. Like, what are you doing? And then they were like, well, sorry, sir. We just don't have enough providers. And my husband's like, not enough providers. I thought I was on the phone with the U.S. Navy. Like, What? Like yeah. and he's like, so what? You just let people die out here? And then the, the person, again, I don't know who he was talking to, he was like, Yeah, we're sorry, sir. Oh my gosh, I have the chills. Yeah. So then I go to the R. ER. Then Oops. I go to API and get trapped in the loony bin. Like, let's just call it what it is. Uh, I was gonna and, say that. <laughs> yeah. And once again, that was a nightmare. I my roommate was a active woman who was dealing with you know violent schizophrenia and it you know again treated like criminals not like patients you're allowed to be outside for 10 minutes a day and you don't have access to your phone and did they tell you it was terrible when like when of you first in. no, and I asked them multiple times I asked them multiple times and I was like, I even said I was like yes like this is a passive suicidal ideation but I'm here to get into a, a program like I'm safe you like this know, is nonsense and I, I just want to see a doctor <laughs> and <laughs> so I continue that and I go in on a Thursday Wednesday I don't remember what day but like Up like my three days were up on that Thursday, Friday. And it's so and it's supposed to be like a 72-hour hold if you're Mm -hmm. not there voluntarily. But I was there voluntarily, so that also didn't make sense. So then the social worker tells me that she can't get a hold of my command. Direct quote, I'm I'm air quoting for those who are listening, that she can't get a hold of my command because it's Juneteenth. And I said, no, it's not. Juneteenth is June 19th. It's June 6th or something like sometime before, like yeah. well before June 19th, we go back and forth and then she just skips for the weekend. And so I tell the staff multiple times, I was like, no, you, you are holding me here in a nightmare scenario because your social worker is outright lying and she's saying that I'm the problem because I'm the one trapped in the psych ward. But look at the dates; it's black and white on the calendar. Juneteenth is June nineteenth. My husband is my non-medical attendant. He is allowed to get me. This is nonsense. And again, bless up to my husband, who was like, "Why are you holding her? Why can't I see her? She was supposed to be here for two days. It's been five. What are you, What are you doing? Fix yourself." Mm-hmm. And so he like very relentlessly mm-hmm. like kept trying to pull me out because when he when we agreed God. to do this, we thought it was going to be like, you know, beautiful rehab, <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, like something nice and pretty and, oh. you know, like play games or something. And that was not <laughs> what happened at all. So I finally get out, like, five or six days later, and I was just, again, traumatized. <laughs> and it was so
1: traumatized. Oh, my God. In a
0: huge way. And, like, that happened multiple times. It happened with the medical evacuation. It happened being trapped in the loony bin. <laughs> it happened when the Navy was just like, you're probably going to med board. And I was like, med board? I haven't even started treatment yet. What are you talking about? And it was just one thing after another. And I did eventually get into the IOP. I did eventually put one foot in front of the other. And I spent a lot of time at Levant. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the no spiritual worry. wellness space, okay. Levant, where we met. Oh, gotcha. Um, it's a spiritual wellness boutique here in La Jolla. If, if anyone is interested, you should definitely come through. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. And it's run by beautiful, beautiful women and they just gave me access or reaccess to a world that had been lost to me for a long time in the military. And I leaned all the way in. Cause that, I mean, when you're in that state, it's literally binary. It's like, is this going to help or not help? Mm-hmm. Like you, it's very like your, your worldview is so inward and like, you can't look out really. Like that's not how it works. Like you very much have blinders on it's like moving is difficult. So like you have to be very mindful about like what steps you put in front of the other because the boy you believe they are baby steps. So you hope they're in the right yeah. direction. And so when you're in that state, you I, I mean, for me, I totally threw spaghetti up the wall to see what stuck. And I'm grateful I did that because I learned a lot about healing modalities writ large. And it also allowed me to trust myself for what felt good and what didn't Feel good because mm-hmm. I, you know, the story, the story that we tell ourselves for me mm-hmm. had been stripped multiple times, like yeah. shredded over and over and over again. I was like, okay, so I, I clearly cannot trust that narrative because mm-hmm. that just doesn't apply to me for whatever reason. I'm supposed to be learning a different lesson here and So I tried different solutions. It allowed for a quantum leap that for sure would not have been possible. Otherwise, I don't see how it would have been at least.
1: Yeah, that's your journey is just it's in such a it was so recent, first of all, and the fact that you're still unpacking everything and you're sharing it with us, I just really want to honor you and thank you for doing that because I know it's not easy, especially when.
0: Yeah, sorry if it was disjointed.
1: <laughs> no, it was beautiful. Like, you, I'm sure that there's other people that have gone through something similar. And if they haven't, this opens their eyes to something that they might not have understood. And you lived it. And I'm so curious, like, I know right now you're you've started your nonprofit, which I want you to talk about, but I can't wait to see where this takes you in five, 10 years. Because that's what I was going to ask you is why do you think you've
0: gone through all this? I've spent a lot of time with that question, and I don't have a good answer, but I think you do. I know. I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it the good old college try. I Think that I have the unique life experience to have seen so much with my two eyes. Mm -hmm. It's not a story I read in a book. It is not a story somebody else told me. I lived it, I experienced it, it happened through my own two eyes. Mm -hmm. And as a mathematician and as a statistics person, there's a fundamental problem with anecdotal evidence. And so that's an internal conflict for me, but the reality is I do have a lot of anecdotal evidence. And so that anecdotal evidence allows me to ask, ask the right questions from data. And then it allows me access to a lot of different types of spaces. And I very much intend to use that further a mission. And that mission is to ensure that people have access to healing services that mission is to change the narrative about pain mm-hmm. and help people understand that pain is a part of the human condition and that it is not no one should be here to fix it we should be here to hold and bear witness and to reestablish community in a way that's completely devoid in our culture yes and it's to Help other people understand that these things don't happen in faraway places all the time. They happen right here at home. And mm-hmm. we can't put our head in the sand and bulldoze through. We also can't put violent stories on Instagram and act like that is activism. True. So I. I'm dealing with it in real time and Mm -hmm. all I can say in this moment is one, I think it's in my stars. And two, I am going to use this lived life experience to shine light on some shadows and to bring it out, call it to the table so that we can do better together. Beautiful answer. (laughs)
1: I love it. I love it. I think the work that you're doing is so needed. And I've already learned so much, you know, for people who don't know anything about, you know, the Navy or any type of, what's it called? See, this is how bad I am. I can't even think of the word. Any type of service. What do you call it? Like all of them together, Navy, Marines, Army.
0: Oh, like the military? Yeah, military. Thank you. <laughs> like, what is the
1: word? Like, I don't know. Our
0: service is military.
1: Yeah. I, you know, there's, a lot of people who just aren't like familiar with it, you know? So, um, I can't wait to be a part of the movement that you're creating and to help you in any way that I can. Let's talk about it. What, what is the nonprofit that you made? And I know you just kind of talked about like your mission and what drove you to this, but what's your plan like here in the future?
0: Yeah. So it's important to highlight a couple of things. The, Second capital T traumatic incidents was that international terrorist attack and the mass shooting that I talked about. Yeah. and when we hear mass shooting the the response is which one? yeah, so true i I want to kind of sit with that like when that's the response is like which one, then it's not just an isolated thing that happens. This is a mm-hmm. lot of people who are affected by Absolutely. this type of criminality and and terrorism Mm -hmm. this this one was an international terrorist attack but the most of them in the U.S. are are of course domestic Mm -hmm. and so when Josh was murdered my soul brother in that in that shooting he was the first one in 2019 but every four months somebody after that died and I found out you know, as you ask the questions, like how, like what happened Mm -hmm. to your classmates and to your soul family, the, what happened often more than 80% is at least in some part, some part due to a failed healthcare system. And after 10, I just stopped counting because my heart literally couldn't take it anymore. And so when I was really sitting with myself, go ahead. They weren't, were they killed in like active duty or was it, it was actually
1: like failed healthcare system?
0: No, yeah, it was actual failed healthcare oh system, God. like misdiagnoses, bad MRIs, just lots of suicide. But the suicide is not, there's two separate questions here. It's suicide <clears throat> because they were depressed. Like, why were they depressed? That's one question. Right. But the bigger <clears throat> question is if they were in active treatment, what the hell happened? Yeah. And if they weren't in active treatment and they tried to get that active treatment and they were denied, what the hell happened? Yeah. And so, and again, I lived it. I survived, but so many of my brothers and sisters did not. And I survived for a reason. And part of that is to give voice to my soul family who is no longer here. I would give anything to have my brothers and sisters back, but I can't have them back. All I have is my voice. Mm -hmm. And when I sat with myself as an avid learner and a consumer of of information generally, I knew that Aspen herself, myself cannot fix the healthcare system. It's just not a problem set that I'm equipped to handle. Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of the team who wants to help that, but As I see into my 3D world, I don't see how I can, that my resources would change that story. But what I can say is what worked for me and give people access and resources to other modalities of healing. And when we say alternative health measures, we're also talking about massage therapy, chiropractics, mm-hmm. acupuncture, mm-hmm. things that people have been doing for thousands of years. Yeah. And it's not woo woo. Some right. of it is. Reiki is a little woo-woo. Reiki is a little woo-woo. We can, yeah. we can honor that. That's true. Can. <laughs> it's woo-woo that I wholeheartedly believe in, but yeah. it's a little woo-woo. Acupuncture's not. Acupuncture has mm. been around for thousands of years. Chiropractics yeah. is not. It's been around for thousands of years. It's just not covered by insurance. Right. And even if it was, how long would it take to get to, to that treatment? A lot. And especially in the case of trauma, again, we're not here to fix it. We're just here to transmute it. And so my nonprofit is to get veterans and active duty to healing services now. And so the nonprofit is called Healing Can't Wait. I think that most of your listeners are in San Diego. So I will announce that our nonprofit launch and fundraiser is on November 12th seven to 10 PM at the Maya moon collective. We are doing a Diwali party. So it's going to be Bollywood themed. We have a live henna artist. We have the selfie station. Naturally Desi is providing our food mocktails. It's going to be so fun and so fun. beautiful. My husband's getting a live DJ from Delhi. Um, That's so cool. It's going to be so fun and it's for a great cause And so once we get some capital underneath us, and once we get some infrastructure, that's when we can really put these services into play. Mm -hmm. And that's when our organization Healing Can't Wait has two responsibilities. Number one is to triage and to get that person, the active duty or veteran to the services they need and the order that they need, or at least with some sort of plan and then yeah. two to make sure that the healers are not footing the bill sliding scale and out of the goodness of people's hearts is a beautiful testament to humanity it is not sustainable especially in san diego people right. the math is not mathing. Yeah. and so we're gonna put the bill healing can't wait will foot the bill and we're going to do that through multiple streams I'm a certified grant writer so where the funds come from will there'll be multiple streams and of course in kind donations make all the difference and the party itself is $22 for those who don't know $122 for this party is the best $22 you've ever spent <laughs> but also it's $22 yes. because for those who don't know 22 veterans a day take their own life. And it's a statistic that is completely heart wrenching. And when I was growing up in the Navy, I would see like my chiefs and other leadership doing like 22 push ups to raise mm-hmm. awareness. And I saw that all over Facebook. And I was like, okay, yeah, 22 push ups, that's important. Blah, blah. And now that I'm like, at a different point in my life, I am, feel like I'm screaming from the rooftops that I do not want 22 pushups. I want healthcare. And if I can't have healthcare, mm-hmm. then we better have access to healing services and they exist. And so all we need to do is to bridge the gap. Yeah. And that's what Healing Can't Wait is going to do.
1: That is freaking awesome. And you're going to be my
0: 22nd episode.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. That- yeah. Yes. That's I why I, yeah, I reached out because you, you were sharing on your 20th episode and I just have so much respect for you and what you do. And I love how raw and authentic you are. And I've listened to every episode. I'm a big fan. Oh my fan. gosh.
1: Thank you so much. That means. Yeah, my pleasure. What, what's been your favorite I, one so far? I'm just curious. Or like your top oh. one that you
0: can think of. I actually, so I can't name one because I listen to podcasts all yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard. So, but I will say the theme that I love the most is the alcohol-free movement. Awesome. I love listening to that stuff because, I mean, like you, uh, so I'm also sober. I've been sober for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't know my exact, oh, I guess <clears throat> you do now because you looked I it up. figured it sure. out, yes. You figured it out, <laughs> yeah. But like you, I also don't like have a date. And like you, I didn't. Want to go to AA. I don't feel like an alcoholic, but it certainly caused a lot of problems in my life. And it definitely was a poison that yeah. derailed me multiple times. So, you know, what do you call yourself? And right. do you call yourself anything? And and right. and you really provided a lot of nuance and a lot of empowerment around the alcohol-free movement. And it I I don't talk about my alcohol-free. I used to call it sober curious, but I don't think mm-hmm. I'm curious. I think I'm just sober <laughs> now. Yeah, it comes up sometimes because you know people are often of me trying to like, no, I'm okay. Do you have a mocktail? And mocktails are common now. Yeah, but when I listen to your episodes, it there have been multiple times I've been like, same, same. <laughs> I think that's that awesome. I think that the one that's coming to mind is you were talking about. I don't know who the the guest was but you were talking about how you used to like pre-game for parties so that mm-hmm. people wouldn't keep count of your drinks like at the party and boy did I do that <laughs> <laughs> boy did I do that and so just little things like that where I just mm-hmm. felt like like seen and heard even though I'm I'm just listening so I guess I don't have an, a specific episode my favorite theme is the alcohol-free stuff
1: that's perfect because I always that's one thing Sometimes I question, like, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want people to think I'm judging them. Or that's why I always say, like, it's your journey, drink all you want. This is just what it's been like for me, you know? Yeah. And when you experience being alcohol free, you want to like share with everyone how. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's
0: so good. Exactly. And that's exactly where my headspace was. Cause like, I hear you on the judgment and like, I remember in my, you know, my drinking career, cause let mm-hmm. let's be honest, I was an enlisted sailor. There was a whole career associated I'm with alcohol. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much a part of all culture. And I remember being like judged for drinking and I, I of course I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. it at the time and I wouldn't have listened to anybody then right. about going sober. But I also wish the narrative I had in my head about the, about being sober was, it, it was almost always religious. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a no fun zone, right? Like no fun for you. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't want that. I wanted to have mm-hmm. fun, especially in my, in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And what, what you highlight and what like the new sober movement is highlighting is that being sober is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Everything is so much better. It's yeah. not like you are not missing out. There is nothing to miss. It's awesome. It's like the best kept secret ever. Like, exactly. and so we want to share it. Like, this is amazing. You should do this. Yeah. Not in a judgment way, but like, I want, I want this for you. <laughs> like you, exactly. you're like,
1: you are spot yeah. on. That's exactly how I feel. That's why I share about it. So it like, I don't even know the word for it, but just knowing that you were listening and you were like relating and it just blows my mind that this is happening. Like I'm, I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> you're doing it. Yeah. You're yeah. doing it. And I, I love that. Yeah. So I, I listened to the 20th episode and again, this 22 number is the price of my tickets It's, it's a statistic that like takes up a, like a lot of space in my mind. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And that's when I reached out to you again. And I was like, I would like to do your 22nd episode please. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really glad that you made it happen. I, I really, really deeply appreciate it.
1: Yes, this episode will come out next week, next Wednesday.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome.
1: Yeah. And I'm definitely going to your event, by the way. I don't know if I've already yet, but I can't miss that. The last thing I wanted to touch on, we have a couple minutes, is, um, you know, I had Melanie on the podcast. Yeah. She was like one of my first people. She's like, sign me up, I'll do it. You know, when I was like trying to get comfortable, you know? I work with her, like, I, I think you work with her like more often than just once, right? You've seen her? or has it just been once?
0: Kind of. So she channeled for me in like a one-on-one session, and that's where we like met the first time. And then she did my Ricky master and like business training, which was amazing. Yeah. She's, she's just a gem of a person and she's like so successful. And like, it's really validating to know that like people can do this. And she and I, I do these magic malas. And so she's, of course, a client. I, I say, of course, I'm blessed to have her as a client. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, she shared with her people on social media, which definitely helps. I have got my first client that I didn't know personally, or I didn't like meet yeah. at an event. Um, like in the ether through I I pulled up. Her. I was like, how'd you find out about me? And it was through Melanie and That's her story. Awesome. So yeah, really amazing. Yes, I'm
1: glad that she told you to connect with me too. I'm so glad that you shared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she's very good at connecting people who she thinks will align. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, she is she going to come to your event? She's out of
0: town, but oh, okay. uh, she donated mm-hmm. to our silent auction. She donated to yeah a channeling service and then her sister from say sacred skin san diego she does these spiritual facials which sounds Mm -hmm. like what does that mean but it's like what does that mean (laughs) find out it's the best thing ever (laughs) have you had Um, one yet yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh and, my gosh, it was the best ever. Like, Yeah, they're thing. both just... Yeah, and they're just good people. Like, they're good people to be around and me to too. have just in your space. And so they both donated to the silent auction. And I think they're both out of town. But it's around her birthday. So I think they're both out of town for her birthday.
1: Okay, tell me about what you're wearing around your neck. She has some beads for anyone who's
0: listening. Tell us about Yeah, that. I would love to. So this is Amala. <laughs> And a mala is Sanskrit for garland in the same way that rosary is Latin for garland. So that's a, usually a connecting point when I share that. Mm-hmm. And the anatomy of a mala is in itself sacred. And we talked about that on a call. Mm-hmm. And a mala is used to count prayers, mantras, affirmations, whatever word feels right to you. That's the appropriate word to use. And it's a way to keep you grounded. It's a way to keep you like in this 3D reality for PTSD keeps you in a time that was before,
1: Mm -hmm. not the present and for sure
0: not the future. It's just like, that's not how the trauma brain processes information and memories. And so this was a, the mala itself was a tool to keep me on the 3D plane and to like, when I was in, like places that could cause a flashback or a trigger Mm -hmm. I would have something physically to hold on to and then I have some academic background in human design Mm -hmm. and in like numerology just being a math person of course some lived life experience so I decided to do magic malas and they're magic because they're 100% unique and designed for the person and the Part that makes it like, you know, the most magic is that we actually get on a call and I ask you about your current human experience so that you in your own words can tell me what you want to move through, mm-hmm. maybe past, and also what you want to call more in of or manifest. And because of my own live life experience, like you cannot surprise me. You yeah. cannot. It's not, it's never gonna be too much for me. Yeah. It's not the point. And that's how I select the crystals for that person's experience specifically. So there's a couple of layers and I'll run through them quickly. The pattern is based on your human design profile. Wow. The number of types of stones is based on your numerology and specifically your life path number. And then the crystals themselves are based on that current human experience. And we do all of that on a call. And then I make your physical tool. And again, this is not to fix it. This Mm -hmm. is to transmute it. And so it's, I've seen, like I I started not too long ago, but I've had some months of data points now and they work. (laughs) (laughs) And work is different for for everyone because their goals are different, Mm -hmm. but it is truly magic and I really love it.
1: Yeah. Especially having something tangible. Like exactly. I, I need to get one because I feel like we could make a perfect one for me and it could help. It, that's me. exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love that.
1: Like it could help me in the dark, in the darker moments that I have, or even like frustration or when I'm trying to ground myself, just holding on exactly. to that. That would be really healing for me in that moment. So what a 100%. freaking awesome idea. Good job.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And the human design profile and the numerology gives you access to your sacred contract Mm -hmm. and the sense of knowing that there is life beyond this 3D plane. And then the 3D plane is captured in the crystals that are selected for you and your human experience and what you are dealing with to give it some movement, to give it some flexibility, not to fix it. Right. I love that. You are a special person and I'm just so happy
1: that we met and connected and I can't wait to, to follow your journey and, and stay connected, you know, throughout the future.
0: Definitely. Me too. Your
1: mission is freaking awesome. Like I, I want to cuss right now. Like it's so like, I love <laughs> the work that you're doing. I freaking love it. And I'm super proud of you and I will see you at your event.
0: Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah. You can Venmo Aspen Aurora directly to avoid the Eventbrite fees. If you feel more secure in Eventbrite, it's there too. It's Aspen, A-S-P-E-N, Aurora, A-R-O-R-A. So the Punjabi Aurora, not the princess Aurora.
1: Okay. And,
0: (laughs) And that's also my Instagram handle. I do a ton of free content on Instagram, and that's the best place to find me so
1: well yes everyone go check out aspen on instagram and if you are up for supporting this amazing cause that she has started and is is beginning let's go to the event together all right everyone have a great day thank you for joining us i'll see you on the next episode thank you so much for tuning in to this episode If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.